morning. Our scripture lesson comes from uh, Acts 3, 1 through 11, and it's on page um, 772 in the Pew Bible, or it's printed in the bulletin if you would like to follow along with me. I'll be reading from the uh, New International Version this morning. One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of the prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him and as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. This is the word of the Lord. The temple gate called beautiful. That just struck me now as as John was reading that. How incredibly appropriate. As we take a look at this text and see what it might teach us about connecting and prayer, first let me take just a quick moment to speak to the larger context of the book of Acts. If you haven't read through the book of Acts recently, I would really encourage you to go back through and read it from start to finish. Marvelous um, book of the Bible. There are four Ps that kind of jump out at me as I look over the, the book of Acts as a whole. Of course, you can't take any of these out of the book of Acts without really undoing the whole narrative. Pentecost. The coming, the giving of the Holy Spirit. I mean, if you look all the way through Acts, the Holy Spirit is a major actor all the way through. You can't, how do you birth the church, the Christian church, except that, that God has sent the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit to, to clothe those apostles and, and to go out. Uh, the next three, I almost probably should have put a slash and listed them all on one line. Uh, because the persecution is growing as you read the book of Acts and... And that, re, that came out of the preaching of the apostles. The more they preached, the more the persecution intensified, and the more the persecution intensified, the more the prayer intensified. And we don't have the time this morning to walk through, but if you will go back through chapter by chapter, you will see the Holy Spirit working, the people preaching, or basically just saying, here's what happened. They're just bearing testimony. They're telling the story over and over Paul tells the story of what happened to him on the road to Damascus. He just tells a story. This is what God did. I was walking along, minding my own business. And here's what God did. And the more they preached, the more the persecution was ramped up. But undergirding all of that 
the prayers of God's people. And the only reason I think that the early church survived is that the people of God continued to call on God and God answered their calls. It didn't matter if they were incarcerated or wherever they were, they cried out to God. They worshiped. The people were praying and lifting up their leaders who were being persecuted. And so that's kind of the larger context quickly of the book of Acts. And that's where we find this story in Acts chapter 3. Several things that we can learn from this story about connecting and prayer. First of all, uh, we connect with others in order to pray. Uh, We connect for the purpose of prayer. Verse 1 says, if you look back at the text, Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon uh, for the 3 o'clock prayer service. This is what they were doing. They had come together. They had made a plan. We'll meet together. We'll go to the temple for this specific prayer service. They were on their way to pray. Uh, And I saw that in Kenya, just a beautiful testimony to the layers of prayer. I think all of our folks who lead mission trips, wherever they may be, take very seriously the call to prayer. There are all sorts of things that can go wrong on any given day for any of us, right? But especially when you take 20 folks out of the country and you're transporting medicine and all kinds of things could go wrong. And so I think our folks understand that it's only by the mercy of God that we're able to do these ministries and for them to be effective at all is a gift of God. Uh, When we have all these different layers of of prayer, you have the the church praying for a team as they go. And as we were received in Kenya, we had many pastors. You saw a few of them earlier, Gigi and Patrick. But there were many local Kenyans who were praying and had been praying about our coming, about the launching of a new church, about the medical mission. They had been covering it in prayer. Their congregations had been covering it in prayer. You begin to build an impenetrable foundation. All these children of God praying and praying and praying. We had a veterinarian from Trustful that I mentioned earlier. And he would go and and give vaccinations to the animals. And he would pray over the local farmers and the herdsmen. And pray for their livestock. Because this really is their survival. And he would pray over their animals and ask God's blessings on them. On the typical day in Kenya, we prayed at Katali before we left, and then we would drive an hour and a half up into the mountains uh, to capture up. And the first thing we would do when we arrived, even though there were people out there at the welcome tent ready to, to see a doctor, is that we gathered all the Kenyan volunteers and all of our team inside the new metal structure that would become the church on Sunday, and we worshiped. And it was a reminder, yes, there's work to be done, but but We dare not jump into the work without recognizing that we're on holy ground and God is here. And it was a beautiful time of worship in the mornings before we jumped into the work. And we would share the gospel and pray over folks in the welcome tent. And then after meeting their medical needs, provided one-on-one spiritual counseling and more prayer. In the evenings, we went to the marketplace and proclaimed the gospel during an open-air crusade. It was just prayer after prayer, layer after layer, and it built up a beautiful experience. Driving from Katali up to Kapsharap, like I said, about an hour and a half drive, and the first day I made the mistake of sitting in the front seat of the van, and I will tell you that was more of a prayer experience than I had bargained for. 
cars and animals and all sorts of things zooming around us. But there was much, much prayer. Organized, structured prayer is a shared responsibility of everyone. Not everyone can go to Nicaragua or Rio or Mongolia or Cape Town or Kenya. This was a physically, I would say, challenging trip. It was not an easy trip, over 8,100 miles away. The eyes of the local Kenyans, when I stood before them with my interpreter, who I had not known the day before, but because of our bond in Christ, I was able to stand beside my interpreter, whether that would be Patrick or Robert or David or whomever it was, and to say to them, I love you. It was only because the prayer, the seeds that had been sown, and the love that had gone into this trip that were able to have a connection with those there, an immediate kind of beautiful, God-centered, prayer-filled connection. Frank Page has said this, that when the team goes off, that's the away team. And obviously they're very important, but the, that's the away team. But the home team is the one who stays, the one who sins, the one who prays. And there is no away team without the home team, without the work that's done in prayer. God is working even as we go to answer the prayers of our heart, the prayers of His heart. And that day, as Peter and John made their way to the temple to pray, they did not know that they would have this encounter with a local lame person. But I think they were prepared for it because they were going along the way in a prayerful spirit. So we connect with each other as we pray and as we go. Prayer does a beautiful job of reminding us of what is most important. Sometimes we look at the things that we have uh, that, that make us different, and we focus on those things, but when we come together in a spirit of prayer, we find that the love of Christ unites all people, and it's a beautiful thing. Well, we also see in our story that as Peter and John went, they came across a man who was in need. Verses 2 through 5 tell us that this lame man had been brought. He was lame for a long time from birth, and they would bring him to the gate called Beautiful outside the temple so that he could beg, so that he could receive money and survive. So this is another thing that happens in prayer. God connects us. As we go to prayer, God connects us with needs. We don't have to go out and look for needs. As we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, God will bring into our path the needs of those to whom we must minister. In reading this passage, I thought about Ephesians 3.20, a key verse for us last year as we were preparing to celebrate our 50th anniversary, a verse that says that God is able to do far more than we even ask or imagine. This man was brought to the gate and laid down, and in his mind, the best case scenario is that people were going to give him some money that day so that he would have food, or whatever his needs were. That was the best case scenario. Maybe that he would get a a large financial gift that he could just call it a day. Hey, I got more than I need today. I'm finished. That was the best case scenario in his mind for that day. The worst case scenario was that he would be ridiculed or ignored or mocked or blamed or whatever, and I'm sure he got plenty of that. 
But he knew where to go in town, right? Not right outside the bar, but right outside the church. Let me run into some good people. Maybe they'll have a little compassion, a little mercy on me. Give a little money. He positioned himself to receive a blessing, but he didn't know what kind of blessing he was ready for that day. We encountered a man in Kenya, uh, chair chair, who showed up one afternoon as we were playing with the children. He walked directly up to me down in the field as we were playing, and he said, I need some medicine for worms. And I said, well, church here, I don't have any medicine on me. I said, but there's doctors up there, and if you will come back in the morning, they will see you and they will treat you. Well, the next day, didn't see him in the morning, but about lunchtime, he did show up. Quite intoxicated, church here was. And he came up and kind of interrupted a conversation I was having with one of the local pastors, David. And, uh, and he, he began to tell me a story about some needs that he had and how he needed, how he needed money. And I, honestly, I said, I don't have money to give you today. I just, I don't have anything to give you. But I said, Cheer, Cheer, if you'll come to this building, we were standing right beside the new metal building. I said, if you'll come to this building Sunday morning, sober, I said, you'll get far more of a blessing than any money can get you because Jesus Christ will set you free from anything that binds you. Pastor David and I were able to have this long, uh, very interesting, kind of unique, confrontational in love kind of conversation with Cheer Cheer. And I wish I could tell you that he came to church Sunday morning sober and welcomed Jesus into his heart and lived happily ever after. He did not. Now, he may have showed up this Sunday. He didn't show up last Sunday. But the results are not our responsibility. In prayer, God connects us to needs, and we are to meet those needs with love and truth, and that's it. There were plenty of folks who heard Jesus preach, saw him do miracles, heard his invitation, and then walked away. So we can certainly expect the same, but we are to be faithful in sharing the love of Christ. It is the work of God's Spirit and the individual's personal responsibility to respond with an open heart to God's love. Peter and John said in this story, silver and gold, we have none. Well, friends, silver and gold, we do have. Any congregation that can more than double their missions budget from around 300000 to $700,000 for this current year does have silver and gold, and God will honor that generosity throughout this year and beyond. But woe to us if we stop there, because we have something far more important to offer a hurting world. What is it? Our time, our attention, our prayers, ourselves, our relationships, our neighborliness. We're talking about connecting with our neighbors. I was blessed on one of the plane trips uh, as, as we went to Kenya and returned to come across a documentary about Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers. If you haven't seen this documentary, you must see it. I want you to hear a few words from the trailer of that film. Fred Rogers was seminary trained and saw the congregation as his TV audience. He set out to do a holy work, and I want you to hear him summarize what it is that he set out to do. Love is at the root of everything. All learning, all relationships, love or the lack of it. Children have very deep feelings, just the way everybody does. There must be times when you do feel blue. I'm not feeling blue right now, though. Amy, 
Is that not a beautiful summary of what we are setting out to do in 2019? I just watched that documentary and thought, this is what it's about. It's about becoming neighbor, connecting with people, letting them know that they are loved and they are capable of love. So God brings into our path. As we pray, He brings in the needs to us and connects us to them. And finally, prayer connects us with those for whom we pray. Prayer connects us. And really, the reason that I chose this passage is one little word that appears in this text is the reason that I landed on this passage. It's in verse 11. It says that after all the people saw that uh, what, what God had done, this miracle, it says they all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. He held tightly to Peter and John. That's a better word. You know, that, that's a synonym for connect. He held tightly. The Greek word is kriteo. It's the same word that, that they used when Jesus was arrested, that they came and held him. It's the same word that Jesus used when he came to the little girl who had died and he held her hand and said, little girl, rise up. To hold tightly. This man who had been given more than he asked for. He asked for some change. He needed money for his meal that day. He was given new life. He was given wholeness. And he glorified God and he jumped and he danced and he prayed and he praised and he went back to those guys and he held tightly to them. He didn't want to let go. God connects us to those with whom we pray for. And God also answers our prayers. Uh, God's answer to prayers is a witness to others. The beautiful thing about this story is that God does a miracle for this lame man, restoring life to him. And it says that the crowd who was around saw what had happened. They were astonished. They were amazed. And this is what God does. When we come to God in prayer, He works a miracle. He answers prayers. And those who are on the periphery, who are watching, who are seeing what's going on, they are drawn in to the God who answers prayer. And so in prayer, we are connected to a loving God who created us for connection. We become deeply connected with our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ as we go to pray. We are connected with those for whom we pray. We hold tightly to each other, that criteo connection. It mirrors the manner in which God holds tightly His needy sheep. And because of God's faithfulness in answering the prayers of His people, the larger community is connected to God and His people. Galatians three twenty six to 28 says this, So in Christ Jesus, 
you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. May this be the connecting work of our prayers. Let us pray. Almighty God, we thank you for the gift of prayer. We thank you, Lord, that it is not a futile exercise, but that just us going on our way to pray puts us in a position to go deeper with one another, deeper with you. It sets the stage for us to come in contact with those who are needy and to offer them what we have in the name of Jesus Christ. Love, friendship, being neighbors. Lord, we pray that as we go to pray, that you would give us the gift of connection. That we would go deep in our relationships. That it would be a matter of intentional, fervent prayer, God. And that you would be glorified greatly in this new year as we set out to connect with our neighbors. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.